Blog Talk Radio. Against the Jets or be rooting against them, as typically I like to root for my friends' teams. 
Um, I say they pull it out largely to, you know, due to the fact that they have the better Manning brother. Um, if you give uh, their run at the end of the season, winning the last four games just to make it into the playoffs, I'm going to say Peyton wills his team to victory. However, I mean, I'm picking the, the Coles, there's no doubt. But I can definitely see the Jets taking this one. I can't, you know, I can't. The Jets are a good team. I can't sit there. They don't have a chance because they definitely do, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if they won. The Colts are banged up. They're playing with house money in my eyes and the eyes of most uh, sports commentators. As far as the Jets go, it's put up or shut up time for Mr. Foot Fetish himself, Rex Ryan. JB? DG, what's this uh, man love for Peyton Manning? I don't, I don't get it. First of all, he's one of the best quarterbacks on the planet. Love him. Um, he is the Manning brother who should be the quarterback on my team. But unfortunately, I got uh, Dopey or Opie or whatever it is that, that everybody calls him. Uh, Forrest Gump, excuse me, that's what they call uh, Eli. I love his intensity. I love the the footwork. He's a, he's a sick passer. He's just got one of the best arms on the planet. And I've always been a fan of his. I cannot. When when they won the Super Bowl a few years ago, I was ruined for Payton over the, Payton and the Colts over the Bears, and uh, he got the job done. Can't help it. Big time Manning fan, JB. You you pick on you pick on Eli, but let's not forget that Eli has as many Super Bowl rings as Peyton. That is true. Unfortunately last year they couldn't get the job done. I was rooting for them last year, hoping they'd win. But you can't doubt you cannot deny that Peyton is, is uh a class above his brother in terms of uh, overall skill and talent as a quarterback. All right, I just had to get it out there because, you know, sometimes I wonder if you got some man love for Peyton Manning. Anyway, folks, the New York Jets playing the Colts. Although the Jets last year, let's not forget, folks, last year the Jets did back into the playoffs by have, by basically having the Colts rest their players in the second half and the Jets were able to win that game. And then Cincinnati basically had nothing to play for. This year I think the Jets are actually a better team Although not quite as good defensively, I think they have gotten a little bit better offensively. And let's not forget, this year they didn't back into the playoffs as well. They got the sixth seed as last year, but this year they actually earned their sixth seed. And they went 11-5 and in a very strong AFC division this year. The Colts won their division at 10-6, and and somehow, you know, because of the seeding, they get the three seed, so they are playing the Jets. The way I see this is, is basically this. The Jets are coming into the game healthier than the Colts. The Colts are pretty banged up. Obviously, they have no Dallas Clark, no Austin Colley, but they do have Peyton Manning. Obviously, he is an X-factor. With all that said and done, I think the Jets impose their, their running game, and they establish a, you know, a pretty solid running game throughout the game, and they obviously will have to put up some points to play against Peyton Manning. So I could see the Jets winning this game 30-24, which will set up a rematch with New England, next week. So there you have it, folks. DG's going with the Colts. I'm going with the Jets. We're both picking Baltimore, and that's your AFC wildcard weekend, DG. Yes, it is. Um, that's definitely a good analysis on your part, JB. The fact of the matter is that the Jets can keep the ball out of Peyton's hand by putting the ball into the hands of Danny Tomlinson and uh, you know, their, their running game. They can definitely uh, put up some points, but also, most importantly, keep Peyton on the sidelines where he belongs. Really, that's the only way to beat him. If you leave him on the field, it's going to be difficult. So we'll see, folks. We'll see what happens. But it's definitely going to be a good football weekend. Definitely. Um, there's one thing I wanted to mention, and I I thought of this earlier this week, and I had a couple – I just was talking to a couple of Giant fans, DG, and um, I thought at first it was a debate, but I've decided that this is more of a rant. So hear me out, PG, folks. I just want to let you know, folks, that – 
the road that the Jets have this year is definitely more difficult than the Giants had in 07. And <laughs> sorry, sorry, my cough. I'm sorry. Just excuse me, JB. Are you okay, DJ? Oh, I'm fine. Excuse me. I just get getting sick to my stomach. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying that the Jets have a tougher road this year to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl than the Giants did last year. First of all, I just want to say that the Jets had to face Peyton Manning in the first round, then Tom Brady and the Patriots, and then, most likely, Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers. Finally, I'm going to have to say that the Saints do get back to the Super Bowl, and that's seven Super Bowl rings among those quarterbacks. So, with that said, DG, we have a caller on the line. Let's take him. Yes, we do, but before we uh, we take our call, let me just say one thing, JB. The fact of the matter is, for the Jets to go to that same road that the Giants did in 07, they have to win. And most likely on Tuesday, we'll be talking about the Jets for next year. Folks, we have a call on the line. You're on the air with Pure Gold. Who is this? This is the one true green blood. How are you tonight, gentlemen? Good. How are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Doing very well. Let me just say, Jets, Jets all the way. I don't know if the Jets can make it to the Super Bowl. Do I think so? No. Do I think that they can get back to Colts? I absolutely think that they can get by the Colts. They have a superior running game. They have a superior offensive line. The defense is starting to get healthier. All signs point to yes. Shake your magic eight ball there, gentlemen. All signs are pointing to yes. You agree that the Jets will have to put up some points, though, to beat the the Colts? And I think they have the ability to do it. You have a Super Bowl MVP playing on the outside. Expect to see his name up in lights this weekend. All right. I mean, I'm expecting I, at least two touchdowns. I, I agree with you, Green Blood. Um, the other game that's um, the other AFC wildcard game has Kansas City and Baltimore. Uh, do you feel that? Kansas City has any shot on on Saturday? I feel that they have an excellent shot. I've been watching the Ravens play, and I think that that defense is starting to play old. They are getting old. They are getting tired. I think that if they can get that running game going, set up the pass, I think Baltimore is done in the first round. All right, sir. Um, is there any other thoughts that you have on wildcard weekend in the NFC or AFC in general? Ah, oh, the NFC. They're weak. They're ready to be taken. That's what I think about the NFC. Let me say this to all the Jet fans out there, too. I've been hearing a lot of bad talk about the Jets on the radio, especially from one New York station that has one gentleman in the afternoon who seems to be an unyielding Giant fan, and I'm a little tired of it. The SOJ is a dirty word that shall never be spoken again. The return to the AFC Championship game this year will put a stop to that. Yep, and I think you're talking about Mr. Mike Francesa, but that's all the airtime I want to give that guy. That guy has no idea. <laughs> listen, listen, gentlemen, please stop hating on the sports pope. Mike is a man. Um, he definitely does hate the Jets. I think he just has a huge issue when it comes to Rex Ryan flapping his gums. and It doesn't bother me so much as a Giants fan, but... Mike absolutely cannot stand it, and I think a lot of other people can't, so maybe they're going to hope that the Jets get shut up this weekend, specifically Mr. Rex Ryan. Yes, we're going to get shut up by winning 11 games and going back to the playoffs two years in a row. I'm like the Giants two years in a row. <laughs> Mr. Green, Mr. Yeah, Greenblatt, I want to uh, thank you for your call, 
and I hope that you call us back on Tuesday night when we when we talk about our Jets victory over the the uh, you know Peyton Manning and his Colts. There will be dancing in the street, gentlemen. Have a good night. <laughs> Thank you for the call. All right, Greenblood. Thank thanks you. for calling in. That was folks. That was Greenblood, big time Jet fan like myself. Always good to hear his voice on the air. And as I was saying, it wasn't a debate. It's more of a rant. Let's just say that Jeff Garcia versus Peyton Manning, no contest. Then you have Romo and the Cowboys versus Tom Brady. Again, no contest. And then I'll go Brett Favre and the Packers against, you know, basically, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. So I know that Brett Favre had a good career, but in the playoffs, no chance. And then obviously I'll give you Tom Brady and the undefeated Patriots against Drew Brees and the Saints. I mean, the Patriots were undefeated. So it wasn't a debate. It was just more of a rant that, you know, the Jets' road this year is definitely more difficult than what the Giants had to do in 07. That's all I have to say about that, DG. That is absolutely true. But let's take one step at a time. The Jets actually have to beat all these great quarterbacks, which is not going to happen, folks. And we will, again, be back here Tuesday talking about Peyton Manning's sweet win. Folks, again, we have our picks for the week. We picked the both picked the Ravens, and JB picked the Jets. I picked the Colts. And as far as the NFC, we picked uh, we obviously picked the Saints over the Seahawks, both of us, and uh, we disagree when it comes to the Packers and the Eagles. I picked the Eagles. JB picked the Packers. Folks, that is our football talk for the week. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. Now, moving on, I believe JB has a couple of uh, basketball nuggets and some other nuggets to share with us. Well. Last night, my my Boston Celtics were able to beat the best team in the NBA so far, the San Antonio Spurs, although they almost choked up a eight-point lead with about 30 seconds to go by Ray Allen missing two free throws. When does Ray Allen ever miss two free throws, folks? The last time Ray Allen missed two consecutive free throws was back in 07. So thank God the Jets the, uh, sorry, the Jets. Jets are still on my mind, DG. Uh, the Celtics <laughs> were able to pull out that victory. And now move on to tomorrow night where they play the Toronto Raptors. So it's good to see that they're winning without KG. I think they're going to be a lethal team when they're healthy. Championship comes back to us this year, number 18. We hang it up in the Raptors, but I'll keep talking about that throughout the year. The other big thing that I have, and I've been harping on it, I know it sounds ridiculous, but this Adrian Beltre, finally I finally got the numbers down. Oh, here we go, folks. I finally got the numbers down. I mean, I found out he got a six-year, $96 million contract. I mean, DG, that is absurd. Well, JB, you've been harping on this all week. We've been talking about it all week. You need to get over it. I do agree it's a ridiculous contract. Beltre is a very good player, but not worth that kind of money. Um, You should have stayed in Boston. You know, going to the Rangers, they're probably – we'll see what happens, but I doubt they're going to be very good again. It may be a one-year wonder. But, as we all know, when it comes to sports, it's not about the championships. When it comes to the players, it's all about the money. In baseball, I think it it is all about the money, right? And the other baseball nugget that we could just uh, spend some time on is that basically two gentlemen were inducted into the Hall of Fame a uh, couple of days ago, Burt Blylevin and Robbie Alomar. DG, was this a wise choice to get these guys voted in? Well, I have the stats in front of me for each player. I believe that uh, Roberto Alomar was a no-brainer. His year and a half with the Mets, that disgrace that he put on, um, if we put that aside, he definitely had a Hall of Fame career. You know, he played in over 2,000, uh, you know, 24, about 2,400 games. 
Uh, you know, he had 210 homers, over 1,100 RBI, uh, close to 500 stolen bases. You know, he was a th- career on-the-dot 300 hitter. I mean, he's definitely an excellent second baseman, one of the greatest of all time. Again, I don't know what happened to him when he came to the Mets, but aside from that, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that he deserved to get in. The other slightly debatable one, I guess, would be Mr. Burt Blylevin. Uh, he pitched 22 years, some of which were just a couple of uh, – you know, he didn't pitch too much. He made 15 uh, games or so. Uh, you know, he he didn't necessarily play as much as he could have. But for the most part, you know, he's in the 30s, the 40s as far as appearances. His career record is what kind of stands out to me, JB, 287 and 250. What do you think about that? What does that average out for his career per year? Well, if if you were to calculate over 22 years, it averages out to 13 and 11. But like I said, a couple of those seasons – like, he had one year, he only pitched in four games. He had one year pitching 12, one year pitching 14. So that's basically, you know, a third a season next to nothing. Um, but still not great. I believe that where where uh, the people really are huge on him getting in is 60 shutouts, JB. He had 60 shutouts. I think he's tied for ninth on the all-time list. But that is an inordinate amount of shutouts, JB. That's uh, that's pretty much a little bit less than a quarter of his wins were shutouts. That, that is definitely impressive. That's impressive, and I think he was fifth all time with strikeouts, as I believe. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got a lot of strikeouts, folks. Over uh, you know, thirty seven hundred, three thousand seven hundred and one, to be exact. And that was the thing that I was listening to on the Sports Talk Radio. They were saying that if uh, anybody with over three thousand strikeouts and almost three hundred wins, he should have been in, in, the, in the Hall of Fame. His career average, according to this year, 14 and 12. His ERA really is excellent. 3.31 JB pitching in the American League almost his entire career. That that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, after looking at those kind of stats, I guess yeah, it's I mean it's very debatable, but I could see why he did get in. And let's not forget, Robbie Alomar did one thing that I think got him uh, basically a lock for the Hall of Fame. Do you know what that was, DG? What was that? Tell us, tell the listening audience. He spit at an umpire. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why he did. <laughs> that's why he did not get elected into the Hall of Fame uh, last year. But let me ask you this, JB. I was talking to my wife about this this morning. My wife is not a sports fan, but I was explaining to her this whole Burp Lyleman situation because he was on the fan with Boomer and Carton. I honestly don't understand. You know, she made a point as a non-sports fan. What did he do in 14 years of retirement that got him elected now? Why, If he was going to be elected, why wasn't he elected much sooner? He hasn't picked up a, a bat or a ball, as she put it. He's done nothing. Obviously, his numbers haven't changed. And this is where I get into the whole, you know, conspiracy, my whole problem with the, the writers voting. You know, they have personal grudges against these guys. What took him 14 years to get in? If he was going to get in, he should have gotten in years ago. Robbie Alomar should have, should have been voted in last year. And I bring up Ricky Henderson from, you know, a couple years ago. Ricky should have been 100%. How, tell me, JB, how do you vote as a writer in your right mind? How do you vote against Ricky Henderson getting in the Hall of Fame? I, I agree with you. I think writers have too much power when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And this would Definitely. open up a We could do a whole show on this part of the Hall of Fame. Let's see what happens in a couple of years when, you know, we just got done with the steroid era. Let's see what happens when... People like Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, even Alex Rodriguez get put on the ballot. Let's see how long it takes them to get voted into the Hall of Fame. I agree with you on that, but you know, another thing I was explaining to her, the year that Ricky got in 
was uh, two years ago because Andre Dawson got in last year by himself, another you know guy who pretty much racked up statistics over his career. But Jim Rice was a first ballot Hall of Fame with all of his awesome numbers, but everybody hated his guts. He was a surly, unlikable guy like uh, Eddie Murray, and it took him to the last year of eligibility to get into the Hall of Fame. To me, that's a disgrace. This isn't Burt Blylevin who's debatable. This is first ballot Hall of Fame material, and the writers hated his guts, and they kept him out for years. JB, that is a disgrace, and that, my friend, needs to change. I, I agree with you, and I just said the, the writers have too much power. And, you know, basically um, we're going to find out. Like, I mean, the biggest debate I think about the Hall of Fame is, I mean, what do you think? We could talk about it for about two minutes, but and then we could spend a lot of time on it in the off season. But, like, should Pete Rose be voted into the Hall of Fame? As a fan of the game, I say yes because of the all-time hits record and everything else. The problem lies in, and this is something that's always brought up, the one rule that baseball has always had is you don't bet on the game because that can influence the outcome. Pete Rose did it. Didn't admit to it until recently. Um, he just, if he had come clean, I think he would be in. He should be in. He deserves to be in based on his numbers. But he messed up, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But I honestly think that if he had done things the right way and just come clean, he would be in, which is where he belongs. Um, but then we get into the whole steroid debate because these guys cheated. Guys like Barry Bonds were, were first ballot Hall of Famers before steroids, or so we think. A guy like Clemens, for example, another one. But they took steroids, they cheated, it's, you know, it's illegal, it wasn't against the rules of baseball, but steroids, you know, you, you shouldn't take them, obviously. So, what do you think about that, JB? Where do you, where do you fall on the whole Pete Rose thing and the steroids? I think that Pete Rose should get in based on his performance on the field. I think when we look at Hall of Fame, I think it should be all about performance on the field. And um, even with these guys that were, you know, you know, basically accused of using steroids, I I think until... It's proven that they actually did take steroids uh, during that era, and if some of them have been proven, then I don't think they should get in the Hall of Fame because I think with steroids it obviously enhances your performance. But people like Pete Rose, I think, definitely should get in. I understand about betting against, you know, betting in baseball and betting against your own team or betting with your team and all that stuff. But I think when you look at the stats, he's a lock for the Hall of Fame, and I think that most of these players, until they're convicted again of steroid use should be put into the Hall of Fame. I uh, I can say I, I agree with that, sir. But, you know, again, we'll see what happens. Pete should obviously be there. But then, you know, you get into all social stuff. Yeah, Pete Rose cheated. But then you have guys who are out-and-out out racist, like Ty Cobb, for example, one of the best players who ever lived, total racist. But you know what? He's in the Hall of Fame, and then people complain about that. It just never ends. Sports is something that ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know what, we have, there are more important things in life than sports, but people debate this like it's life or death, and that's why we're here, that's why guys like Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, you know, Mike and Mike when it comes to ESPN, you know, all these guys are in business making money, getting paid lots of dough just to talk about sports. But folks, um, you know, in our last couple of minutes, we have a couple other things that we'd like to touch on. SmackDown Recap. JB, we had an interesting development with uh, with SmackDown. Oh, before I get into that, all right, Pete Rose is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but you know what? He's in the WWE Hall of Fame, and that, my friend, has got to count for something. <laughs> That's, yeah, that does, that definitely counts for something. I'm not sure what it is, but, uh, yeah, let's count for something, yeah. Uh, what, what happened hey, if he never gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame, if he yeah. never gets into the Baseball Hall of Fame, at least he's in the WWE. 
Yeah, I mean... But moving on. Yeah. Uh, Kofi Kingston beat Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title. The match was restarted by Vicky Guerrero, and Kofi won again. So he won the IC title, which, you know, is good for Kofi. I, we're huge fans of his on this show. Should be higher up on the card, but let's not get into that. Then, Dolph Ziggler was inserted in a number one contenders match against Cody Rhodes, Drew McIntyre, and The Big Show for the World Heavyweight Championship. You know, obviously, number one contender. And he ended up winning it. Now he gets a title shot against that. JB, what do you think about that? I just want to know how Cody and Drew are even considered to be in a number one contenders match. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty bad when those guys are considered to be number, potential number one contenders for Edge's world heavyweight title. I mean, obviously Big Show, yes, and obviously they're trying to push Dolph, but that's that just sends such a bad message when people like Cody and Drew are all of a sudden now in a match for a number one contendership when we have guys like with so much talent, as we always discuss, like Coffee Kingston, that basically, you know, has been stuck in mid-card after that one match um, that, you know, he, he, he's he been stuck in the mid-card, and even he wasn't in this match. How how does Cody and Drew get into this match? Honestly, JB, it speaks to the lack of depth on the SmackDown roster. There's no other way around it. Drew McIntyre, the chosen one, is terrible. Cody Rhodes has some talent, but he's doing his whole dashing nonsense, and dashing is a 50s term, basically, so we'll see where that goes. Um, we spoke about this a couple weeks ago, but it does look like they're definitely, this proves that they're pushing Dolph, but his matches against Cena on Raw and SmackDown a couple weeks ago, the live SmackDown really proved that, you know what, that they're trying to push him up there, which is good for him, good for his career. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but, um, you know, that's the big thing right now. Edge beat Kane. He beats Kane, sorry, because uh, technically none of this has happened yet according to the WWE, but he beats Kane in a last-man-standing match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. And, uh, JB, are they going to job out Dolph Ziggler like they did with Morrison and put him as a number one contender match uh, on on SmackDown, or is he going to get a title shot at the pay-per-view? I think since, you know, he's with Vicky, who gets a lot of heat at every show, I think that somehow Dolph makes his way to Royal Rumble and actually fights Edge at the Royal Rumble and avoids fighting on uh, just a regular SmackDown, just like, um, you know, I don't think they're going to go the same route they did with John Morrison and uh, The Miz, so I think that Dolph actually makes it to Royal Rumble and fights Edge at the pay-per-view. Do you agree? Yeah, most likely you're right. Most likely what will happen is he'll lose that match and then somehow get into the Rumble and maybe make it into the last four to give him another slight push. But uh, we'll see where that goes. And moving on to our final note with the WWE, um, Wade Barrett was part of the match. Well, he inserted himself in the match, took out the big show, which allowed Dolph to, w- to win. Um, why he did this, we don't know. It makes no sense, just like typical WWE. But the fact is that Wade is now on SmackDown. The whole, you know, Wade Barrett, CM Punk, Nexus storyline seems to be dropped out of nowhere. It's typical WWE, but why would they do it like that? After everything Monday, just that's it. It's over. Now he's on SmackDown? This is why the WWE... The WWE makes no sense to me lately. I mean, they they first of all, we talked about this on Tuesday. Basically, two heels fighting on air on on TV just doesn't make good for good TV and doesn't make for good uh, you know fan reaction. Uh, and then just to show up on SmackDown just like that makes no sense at all either. I mean, now all of a sudden, is he going to be a face or is he, obviously he's going to be a heel on SmackDown? But, like, the, they didn't resolve the whole Punk and Wade Barrett issue. All that happened was that Punk turned, uh, you know, Punk turned on Wade Barrett, and now all of a sudden Wade Barrett shows up on SmackDown. 
Agreed. Makes no sense. But again, it's typical WWE. Same thing with the whole Morrison thing. We talked about it Tuesday. Same thing with this. Good good angles. Good possibilities. Ball gets dropped. But uh, we'll see what happens. JB, anything uh, quick? Any final quick notes before we we wrap the show up? Um, I think we should ask Kevin Knight about why the WWE has their, what kind of logic the WWE has in the upcoming weeks. I think Kevin Knight could definitely give us some good insights, being that he is the uh, owner of the IWS. I agree. I spoke to him today, folks. Kevin Knight, in case you don't know what we're discussing, last Tuesday we announced that uh, Kevin Knight is the IWF, the founder of the Independent Wrestling Federation of Woodland Park, or West Patterson, as we still call it. He's going to be joining us in studio live Tuesday, January 25th at 11 p.m. Kevin Knight has trained the WWE's Darren Young, who was a part of uh, Nexus and you know NXT, and Robbie E. or Rob Echoes, as he's known in the independent circuit, of TNA, among you know mm-hmm. countless other people. And uh, Kevin is going to be joining us. He's excited to be a part of Pure Gold. He's even promoting it on his Facebook. It's going to be an excellent show. Again, Tuesday, January 25th. Check us out. This is a pro wrestler. Man has been on WWE television, and he's uh, he's been a part of that. And he's trained people who, you know, on the main event scene in terms of the big dogs, uh, big promotions. And he's also had trained uh, Dawn Marie, formerly of ECW in the WWE, Vladimir Kozlov himself from the WWE, uh, current tag team mm-hmm. champion. Also was trained uh, in the IWF for a year or so. So, folks, it's going to be a huge one. Uh, we're getting ready for that. We'd like to thank you for listening. We'd like to thank uh, Greenblood, Mr. Greenblood, for calling in. It's a good call. We we welcome him back. We welcome all of you to call back. Remember, puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Our call in line, 714-364-4721. Puregoldpg at Twitter. Puregoldpg YouTube. Puregoldpg on Facebook. And check us out writing sportsrages.com. It's that time once again, folks. Remember to tune in next Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our next show as we'll recap football weekend. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone.